it again. Um, I don't think I said uh, earlier when I came up, but I'm Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. So if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you've chosen to join us uh, during this Christmas season, this Christmas series that we're in right now. And um, I was talking about different traditions of the holidays, Christmas traditions, parties, meals, gifts, that kind of thing. There's another tradition, isn't there? And that is that uh, all around this room, I'm sure there are TVs that have been switched to the Hallmark Channel. And I want to apologize to any of you who are stuck in a home where that channel is on all day long and you have to watch movie after movie, Christmas movie after Christmas movie on the Hallmark Channel. So for those of you who have just can't stand any more Christmas movies, I'm going to show you a short clip here to open the service from a movie that you'll never see on the Hallmark Channel. It's a movie that some of you might remember called Braveheart. Check this out. Shadows cost money. Use up the Irish. The dead cost nothing. And send in the infantry and cavalry. Infantry! Infantry! Christmas movie, I know, but uh, if you remember, I remember watching that movie when it came out. I remember that scene and the tension because, man, this big battle's about to take place and the Scottish are outnumbered and the Irish have joined the English and they're charging towards them and you're just, the tension's building and all of a sudden you realize that actually the Irish aren't against the Scottish, they're with the Scottish. Completely historically inaccurate. Didn't ever happen that way, but a great movie and a great scene. And um, if you caught it at the end there, they shake hands on the opposite side of the field and they say, glad to have you with us. And it's great, isn't it, to know when you've got someone with you, especially when you're under the impression that they were against you. Maybe you grew up um, in a church, outside of a church, I'm not sure, but maybe you grew up with this idea that God was against you that you were a bad person, that you were trying really hard to do as much good as you could and to be as, as, as well behaved as possible in the hopes that maybe you could earn some favor with God. But we're actually looking this Christmas at a wonderful word that shows up in the Christmas story that tells a completely different story about God. The word we're looking at is Emmanuel, and it literally means God with us. We learn at Christmas that God is with us. God wants to be with us. And no more so than in that very first Christmas where he, he literally physically came to be with us. Listen to the way the angel um, explains to Joseph, Mary's husband, uh, that his wife-to-be was pregnant. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, the angel says, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet that we learned last week was spoken 700 years before. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. So despite the angel telling Joseph, you're to name this baby Jesus, he also explains, but, but he will be known by other names as well. And one of those names he will be known by is the name Emmanuel, because it literally means God is with us. That is who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh with us. And like the Scottish and Braveheart, we should be as excited as they were this morning that, like the Irish, God's not against us. He's for us. He's with us. He is Emmanuel. And over the coming weeks, we're going to learn that this didn't just take place in an isolated period of time in the life of Jesus, that, that prior to Jesus' coming, God was with us. That after Jesus, up to the present day, here at Connect Church this morning, God is with us. And we're going to look at how that plays out throughout the entire story of the Bible. And this morning, we're going to go right back to the very beginning. Right back to the very beginning, the creation story itself. You see, in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, we hear about God's involvement in the creation process. How he created the heavens and the earth, the oceans, the mountains, the plants, the animals. It's this wonderful story of God at work in creation. But then at the end of chapter 1, we learn of the pinnacle of his creation. The final part, the, the crowning moment. We can read about it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals in the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. This part of the creation story when God created human beings, this took place on the final day. And I love that he didn't just create Adam. He could have just created one man and, and there would have been a relationship between God and man. But God had this design that he put into creation when he created Eve too, that, that there is to be community. There is to be relationship between mankind and God, but there's also to be relationship between one another. Man was never meant to be alone. And after each day of creation, this is amazing, after each day of creation, you can read in Genesis, God says, it was good. But the passage we just read there, after creating mankind, he says, it was very good. So everything God creates over those first few days, he would say, and he created the earth, it was good. He created animals, it was good. Plants, it was good. But then he created mankind and said, it was very good. The chapter I just read closes out with this phrase, evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And this is a really important phrase because we hear it at the end of every single day of creation until 
the following day, the day after he created mankind. So the creation, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 4, the creation, sorry, Genesis 2, 1 through 4, the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is the only day, that final day, this is the only day not to end with the phrase, evening passed and morning came. Because the days leading up to this, this, this progression taking place in the creation, but then at the end, when mankind was, was created, it was like completed. God's created this, this continual state of being between man and God. It was a beautiful world. There was no death, no sickness, no pain, no destruction. This was what God had in mind when he created us. A beautiful place where man and woman would live in God's presence. And we're talking about the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to how this started in the very beginning in Genesis. Genesis chapter three, verse eight, we read, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Can you imagine that? That God, from the very beginning, was with us. He, he walked. He was there, present. He wasn't far off in the distance. He was there, right there in the garden with Adam and Eve. God's plan from the very beginning was Emmanuel. God with us. But then something happened. And if you remember your Sunday school lessons, you'll remember that God put uh, many trees and uh, plants around the, the, the garden there. But in the middle, he put these two trees. He talks about it in Genesis 2, verse 9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And these were the instructions he then gave to Adam and Eve. The Lord God warned him, you may freely, freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So it's really quite simple. It's not very complicated. God says you can do whatever you want. You can eat from any tree. You can go anywhere. This, this, is, this creation is for you. You can move around and live here and dwell here, and, and this is all for you, but there's one thing, one thing, you just can't eat from this one tree. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself thinking, well, God, why'd you put that tree there? <laughs> this, this would have been a lot more simple, God, if you'd just taken the tree out. <laughs> can't you see how by putting this tree there, this is what caused all of those problems? Well, you see, to understand why that tree was there, you have to understand the true nature of love, the true nature of, of a relationship. You see, God could have taken that tree away. He could have taken all the choices away. He could have simply created mankind like robots, programmed them to, to always love him and never do anything wrong. And they'd still be there in that garden to this day. But is that really what love is? when you have no choice and you're just made to love the person? 
Casey, my wife, and I, next year we'll celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. We've been married 25 years together. And uh, thank you, yeah. And what amazes me is that after 25 years, despite my snoring, me occasionally leaving clothes on the bedroom floor, um, well, that's it. It's just those two things, really. Um, despite those two things, the only two things I do wrong, she still chooses to stick with me. She chooses to love me, to stay by my side, and, uh, and that, to me, demonstrates love. That despite my failings, and there's more than a couple, despite my failings, she chooses to love me. I choose to love her. I don't make her love me. There's no force involved. She chooses, and that's how I know she loves me. So God put this choice in the garden. He put this tree, and it was simple. You have the choice to do right or do wrong. And as long as that choice is there, you also have the choice to love me or to not love me. So all the time that Adam and Eve didn't do wrong, they were choosing to love God, choosing to obey him. But we know, don't we, that that's not how the story continued. You see, the problem is when you give mankind free will and the ability to choose, it meant that Adam and Eve could choose to love God and to enjoy his company and, and enjoy the world in which he created. But it also meant that they could choose to do wrong. And they did. There came that moment where they were tempted and they were given the, the choice to, to eat from the tree they knew they shouldn't eat from. And sadly, they made the wrong choice. And as a result, sin, the Bible talks about this idea of sin, the bad things that happen in our world came into the world. I was thinking about it this week and um, the idea of, you know, the choice being wrapped around food. And I think it, it was probably hard from the beginning. And it reminded me of a video that I saw, I think, last Christmas time. And uh, check this out. This future chef likes sampling all the ingredients. The sugar. Sugar? Okay, hold it over. Right. Wait, Kate. <laughs> the eggs. That's raw egg. Even the flour? Grandma can't stop him. Good job, Kate. Good job. Okay. Let me see how much you got in your mouth. Oh my God. Okay. Yay! Cookie with Nana! Yeah. We can turn it off for now and then turn it back on when we get a batch out of the oven. I never could do this. It's just such a great video. It's actually three minutes long. That's the edited version. But every step of the way, he just had his hands in, he was grabbing, he was eating everything. And as comical as it is, it just reminds me of really the root of sin. It's these appetites we have within, these desires. And we may know what's right and what's wrong, but we fight these desires, these appetites to, to do what, what maybe we shouldn't do. And that's what happened, sadly, with Adam and Eve. They made the wrong decision, and sadly, that decision carries forward to affect us today. Let's look at the consequences it had on Adam and Eve, because I think you're going to see how we can relate to this ourselves this morning. We learn this about Adam and Eve before they ate the fruit. So Genesis 2.25 says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So they created naked, no shame. And then listen to what happened in Genesis 3, verse 7, after 
they'd made this decision to disobey God. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. Shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. One of the very first consequences of, of disobeying God, of breaking that relationship, was shame coming into the world. And then God, who would enjoy walking in the garden and spending time with them, he was Emmanuel, God with us, shows up after. And in Genesis 3.10, verse 9 and 10 says, Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. So this initial consequence of this wrong choice that Adam and Eve made in the beginning caused them to be shameful, to hide, hide themselves from one another, hide themselves from God. And I was thinking about that in the context of our lives today. The effects that sin can have in our lives when we do wrong. And I had a couple of thoughts about it here, and um, as I look at the situation here with Adam and Eve, and I, and I bring it forward to the current day, how that same wrong choice, that same sin of the very beginning affected them, it can infect us in the same way. The first thought I had was around the whole idea of cause and effect. Cause and effect. Here's what I mean by that. Imagine... Imagine if um, this morning, you know, when you left here, there was an opportunity to eat a donut or a cookie, and you're like, oh, that was good. And, and the, the second you ate that donut or the second you ate that cookie, you literally kind of looked down, you could see your, your belly, your stomach just, whoop, just grew just a little bit. You're like, oh, wow, that was quick. <laughs> or let's, let's think of it in a positive way. Imagine that you went to the gym tomorrow morning. You worked out for about an hour, and when you came out, you looked, and you, you got an ab. <laughs> A chiseled ab, just one. <laughs> You're like, I like that. <laughs> I could, I'd like a few more of them. So you go five more days in a row. <laughs> By the end of the week, you've got a six pack. You're like, yes, because instantly you work out and instantly you see results. But the sad thing is when it comes to eating the wrong foods and when it comes to working out, we don't see the results instantly, do we? Sometimes it takes time. If we eat um, too unhealthily over a long period of time, the scales will reveal that maybe we've been um, eating the wrong things. If we go to the gym over a long period of time, we'll start to see some changes in the way we feel, the way we look, because we don't see the immediate cause and effect. And I was thinking about that in the context of, of sin, of doing things wrong. And how unfortunately that's the same case very often with sin. Because listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 2:17, when God gave Adam and Eve the instructions about this, this forbidden fruit, the one tree that they couldn't eat from. He says, if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So they knew. Adam and Eve knew. It was very clear before the serpent came and tempted them. They knew there was one tree that they couldn't eat from. There was a rule in place. And if they break that rule, they will surely die. So imagine, we know from reading scripture that Eve was the first one to take the bite of the fruit. Imagine that if the moment she took the bite of that fruit, she dropped down and died just right there in front of Adam. I think at that point, Adam's like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that fruit. <laughs> Because I saw the instant results of it. But unfortunately, there wasn't an instant result. She ate the fruit. 
She seemed to be okay. So then Adam, he decided to eat the fruit as well. And because of their decision, death did come into the world. It wasn't immediate. But Paul, when he writes to the Romans, is explaining to them the, the story of creation and how sin entered the world. And listen to what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So God was true to his word. He said, if you eat this tree, you will die. There wasn't an immediate effect to the cause, but it did happen. And I think that's why it's so hard for some of us at times when we, we're tempted ourselves to do something that we know we shouldn't do. We either know because we know in our own value system, we know because we've read scripture, we know what's right and wrong, and, and we're faced with a situation and we think, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And because there isn't an instant result, we don't feel too bad, but then over time, like in the story here with Adam and Eve, death catches up. And what we see in the creation story, and I think we see in our own lives today as well, is that the result of them making the wrong choice, the result of them disobeying God, who was Emmanuel, who wanted to be with them, is it caused a relational breakdown. A relational breakdown. And I think that's still the heart of the problem of sin to this day. That it can break relationships. It can break our relationship with God and it can affect our relationships with one another. Emmanuel means God with us and from the beginning of creation, his desire had been to be with us. But what was the very first thing that happened when sin entered the world? They were embarrassed to be around one another because they were naked. They hid from God. They were naked and afraid, and not in the Discovery Channel show kind of way. <laughs> I remember a few years ago reading a book by an author by the name of John Acuff. Great author. It was one of his very first books. He's written many since then. He's a, um, a Christian speaker, Christian communicator. He's just brilliant. And um, in this book, he was taking some things that have just happened in his life and saying how God had, had really kind of shown himself to him through these just normal occurrences in his life. And he could see something of the nature of God through these situations. And he told some lovely stories throughout this book. But one of them he told was about a situation that took place with his five-year-old daughter. And I'm going to read that from the book for you now. He said, one day, my five-year-old got a scrape on her face playing in the front yard. I rushed into the house and I returned with a princess bandage. As I bent down to apply it to her forehead, her eyes filled up with tears and she shrank back from me. What's wrong, I asked. I don't want to wear that band-aid, she replied. Why? You have a cut. You need a band-aid, I said. I'll look silly, she answered. Other than her sister and her mum, there was no one else in the yard. None of her friends were over. Cars were not streaming past her house and watching us play. The world was pretty empty at that moment. But the, for the first time I can remember, she felt shame. She'd discovered shame. Somewhere, somehow, this little five-year-old had learned to be afraid of looking silly. If I were smarter, if I'd been better prepared for the transition from little toddler to little girl, I might have asked her this, who told you that you were silly? 
I didn't know. That question didn't bloom in my head until much later, and I didn't understand it until I saw God ask a similar question in Genesis 3, verse 11. To me, this is one of the saddest and most profoundly beautiful verses in the entire Bible. Adam and Eve have fallen, the apple is a core, the snake has spoken, the dream appears crushed, and as they hide from God under clothes they've hastily sewn together, he appears and asks them a simple question. Who told you that you were naked? There is hurt in God's voice as he asks this question, but there is also a deep sadness, the sense of a father holding a daughter that has, for the very first time ever, wrapped herself in shame. And many of us now today live with some guilt and some shame, some things that may have transpired in our lives, but really can be traced back to the brokenness of this world in which we live. Some things we may have done, some things that may have happened to us outside of our control, but they've affected us. And like this guy's little girl, like Adam and Eve in the story, we're, we realize we're, we're shameful. And, and the saddest part of it all is sometimes it causes us, like Adam and Eve, to wanna hide from God to not come before him open and honest, but to hide from him. When we sin against God, when we sin against one another, this guilt and shame, it creeps in and it affects us relationally. It affects our relationships with us and it affects our relationship with God. It happened back then and it still happens today. The wrong things we do break this perfect relationship that God's put in place in the beginning our relationships with one another, and our relationships with him. But this is the amazing thing this morning. The guilt and the shame that we feel, like Adam and Eve, it causes us to want to hide from God, to hide from one another. But he is Emmanuel. He was Emmanuel in the beginning. He was Emmanuel when Jesus was born. He is still Emmanuel today. He is God who wants to still be with us. So look at what he did for Adam and Eve in this moment as they hid. Genesis 3, verse 21, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. The very first sacrifice we read of in the Bible is that of an animal. And the reason that animal was sacrificed was so that their shame and nakedness could be covered, could be hidden. At Christmas time, we remember Emmanuel, God with us in the form of Jesus, his son, born as a baby in a manger. But as we've already spoken about when we took communion this morning, that baby grew up to become a man. That man lived a wonderful life, but ultimately, that man, too, became a sacrifice that God sent. He was, he was known as the Lamb of God because of the sacrificial purpose his life had. In the same way that an animal had to die to cover with skins, Adam and Eve, Jesus had to die to overcome the death that Adam brought into this world. And God still wants to be with us today in a relationship with us, a relationship that will bring life and not death, that will free us from guilt and shame. So I want to ask, will you accept him this morning? Will you join in a relationship with Jesus this morning? 
God loves you so much. You don't need to hide from him. You can come to him the way you are because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning, he wants to be Emmanuel, God with you. Let's pray. Father, we're going to learn over these coming weeks that you have always had the desire to be with us from creation right through to the present day. Christmas is a great time of the year because we get to celebrate the fact that you are physically with us in the flesh. You walked on earth. But that's not something that just is a history lesson that applied to some people that lived 2,000 years ago. It's as real for us today as it was for them back then because Jesus, you didn't remain in the grave. You rose again. You ascended to heaven. And we can experience God's presence with us here this morning through the power of his Holy Spirit because God just as you walked in the garden in the creation story, you walk amongst us here this morning. So I pray that everyone here will, will turn towards you. will say, God, I, I recognize that you want to be with us. God, I want to be with you too. And we'll establish that relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in a moment, we're going to close out the service, and we have a prayer team that will be stood just down here at the front. And maybe this morning, you've never made that connection. You've never asked God, God, I want you to be a big part of my life. And, and I'd encourage you, come and pray with them. They'd love to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you've got some things going on in your life when you just need some prayer or some encouragement. They'd love to pray about those two. But some of you are probably wondering if I'm going to mention how we did in our Give 2022 offering. I can see some heads nodding already. So I, I, I knew that if I told you the news too early, you wouldn't listen to anything I said during the message. So I've saved it till the end. But for those of you visiting, uh, every Christmas we do a big uh, generosity campaign we call Give. Uh, this year it was called Give 2022. And uh, it's always so fun because we encourage people in the church to give just $20.22 for every member of their family. And I've got to tell you, the people who count our offering, uh, the tellers at the bank, I think they had a really crazy week this week because they've never had to do so much arithmetic with all the different uh, variations of 2022, 2044, 222, 220, zero. I mean, you guys, your math was awful. You were all over the place. There were different checks and de donations and, and different variations of 2022. But I joke, you were fantastic. You are fantastic because we told you when we kicked off this campaign that we'd figured it out just, just based on the last three months of giving and how many people had given over the last three months. If that same amount of people were to give just $20.22 per person in their family, we could raise, I think it was $13,000 or $14,000, which was a huge amount of money. And we were going to bless four local organizations. Last year, we raised $28,000. So I knew that this year, by going from 2021 to 2022, we were going to up that by at least another 40 or 50 cents, because uh, that's a lot more pennies to add to this year's offering. But yet again, Connect Church, you just blew us away with your generosity. And together, all of you who gave your uh, 2022s and variations of that raised $35,000. <laughs> So I, I, 
do have the best job in the world sometimes, because this week I got to play Santa Claus, and uh, there were four organizations that we partner with. I'm going to tell you about uh, the other two at the end, but two of them were the Ronald McDonald House in Peoria and Snack Pack, a local organization, and I got to go and present them with checks this week. And just so you know, we, we, we divide the money according to the need. So there are some organizations that the need is greater, uh, some where the need isn't as great. However, every donation we make to these organizations really uh, well, as you'll see from the video, blows their minds. Check this out. All right, Connect, I'm here with Nancy Hodges, who is in charge of Washington Weekend Snack Pack. We are right here in the headquarters. We've got all the food behind us, lots of snacks here already packed, ready to go out. This is where it all happens. Uh, they do a fantastic job. I think you just told me 350 packets per week. Yep. 350 packets going correct. to kids across the uh, the four Washington schools here, mm -hmm. is that right? Mm -hmm. All the school districts in Washington, yes. All the school districts in uh -huh. Washington are covered. So uh, they do a fantastic job here and we're thrilled to partner with them this Christmas. Thanks to your generosity with Give 2022. I am excited to be able to present Nancy. You watched the weekend stuff packed with a check for $7,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. So I, I hope was, this helps. I, I was, <laughs> year and go okay what fundraising can we do to get through this year oh that's awesome well i hope this helps a little bit yeah, it'll go a long way good, that is awesome good. thank you so much yes we are so happy so we're oh. thrilled we get to support you guys so. thank you thank you all all right, well, thanks once again, Connect. You, are, you guys are awesome. Your generosity is amazing. I'm back with Amber here at the uh, Ronald McDonald House, and uh, we uh, are excited that as one of the groups we are supporting, we get to present to you a check for $15,000. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's not what we were expecting. What? We've just got some incredibly generous people to connect who are Thank very excited you. about your mission and what you guys are doing. And we hope this makes it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes! Thank your you mission. so much! You guys keep making me cry! <laughs> Thank you so much! Yeah, that, that's amazing. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I get embarrassed watching that video because I see me and I'm like, man, you were really excited. I was just giggling away. So, but it was brilliant because both ladies who I got to present the check to had no idea. I mean, they, they had a much lower expectation of what the amount was going to be. So it was just so cool to bless them. And both organizations you're going to hear more about in the new year because there are chances for us to help with Snack Pack, to pack some of those bags uh, with a Ronald McDonald House to go down and prepare meals for the residents who are uh, staying there with their families. So there'll be some great opportunities to go over and above just the financial blessing, but also to help them uh, hands-on. So the four organizations that we've chosen were those two. Uh, Compassion International, uh, we're going to send them uh, a check as well, and what we do with that is it just blesses some of the um, church plants that we've helped start in Ecuador and uh, help with the needs that they have locally and uh, goes a long way because uh, this is an area of extreme poverty. And then um, 
Project 61571 is an in-house fund that we are building, and uh, I've got some super exciting news um, in a few weeks on that, of one of the projects that we've already identified, and they're gonna help make a difference uh, with a family locally, so stay tuned to hear about that. But uh, once again, thank you so much, Connect, for uh, choosing during this Christmas season to give first to make a difference in the lives of children and families and under-resourced situations both locally and globally. It's just this little church in Washington, Illinois, making such a huge difference. It's just brilliant to be a part of it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all.